Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, Disney gives us another look at a character we perhaps mistook for nothing but a notorious crook. But is it all just gobbledygook? That's right, we're talking about the book of Boba Fett. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth, don't knock that over. Hello. <laughs> as as Stephen was talking, he almost knocked over, Joel almost knocked over one of our temporary quotation marks. Fabulous soundproofing solution. I'm just, I'm just doing my part, guys. I'm just here doing my part. Yep. Trying oh. to destroy everything that we have created. All right. Well, before we destroy everything we have created... <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, that's actually very topical to the show. But before <laughs> no. we that, that get... was not intended, despite being on spoilers intended. intended. Oh, but <laughs> anyways, before we get into the book of Boba Fett, there was a scene from a specific episode that many of you might remember if you've already seen it. If you haven't, you will remember it once you've seen it. So it has led us <laughs> for good or worse. For better, for better or worse, or worse <laughs> it has led us to look at chase scenes so some of our favorite chase scenes not necessarily just car obviously the, the scene in question here at star wars is not cars chasing each other yeah but chase scenes from other films maybe star wars maybe not mm-hmm. so we all kind of picked and chose our selections and yeah. i'm gonna give it to joel first all right so i'm bringing a chase scene from a heist film the italian job specifically the remake with mark Wahlberg. Right. And some minis. It, I yeah. thought it was Jason Statham. No, no, that, that wasn't no. Italian job. Oh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, this particular chase scene is, he's an Italian job, isn't he? Statham. Wait, no. Yeah. Jason he Statham is, is an Italian. He is. Job. He's not the main character. Yeah. Yeah. He's in, he's in, yeah, he's, he's in it. He's, he's the not the main character. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I was like, I know that he's Boy, in it. Yeah. I had a, I had a. <laughs> moment where like my mind split was like wait a minute yeah i I thought for a second you were confusing it with transporter but no yeah he's in there okay yeah yeah and and michael kane's actually in it the in the new one too or the remake just as um a character in it even though he was the main guy in the last one right yeah yeah, yeah. okay anyway sorry anyway i took it from you. anyway so the whole film revolves around a heist and part of our daring thieves plan is to load the gold that they're trying to steal into the back of these three multicolored mini coopers like a terrible choice of transport for very heavy objects <laughs> just being honest uh, but going through like inside buildings and taking you know high speed approaches to really tiny confined areas is the plan that they have mm-hmm. and of course as all good heist films go the plan doesn't quite go as planned as planned and so they have to uh, take to the sewers and and they get chased by motorcycles and this and that and it's a really fun scene particularly because with the vehicles being so small they get to do a lot of interesting things that you don't normally get with like the high-powered motor vehicles mm-hmm. that you normally see in in chase scenes and so it's also a lot of fun to contrast it to the original because <laughs> the original is like a 20 or 30 minute chase scene where no vehicle exceeds the speed of 40 miles an hour at any point. Very, very topical to Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the, 
the technology of filming larger chase scenes was right. relatively yes, but you don't lower. have to make it half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> they put the work in, by God, you're going to enjoy it. I mean, hey, you have to have that runtime. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, that, I mean, that's a good, uh, that was, you know, Italian job was in my considerations for this. So, which I, I find so interesting. Like, I, I, I like the Italian job. I've seen both films multiple times. They're good films. I, I just never really, I guess, like, I never really got the excitement out of, like, seeing just a bunch of Mini Coopers driving around in circular well, it's, super tunnels. It's, it's different, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's a yeah. unique spin on a classic chase. Yeah. That's, that's what got, that's what got me for it was just, just unique in that, in that okay. way. Yeah. So I, on that note, I'm going to take over because sure. we're going to seg into something else unique. <laughs> so I had an original choice here was going to be the car chase from Born Identity. Mm-hmm. The first The one? first, yeah. Okay, that's the first yeah, movie. yeah. Because again, it's a small car, mm-hmm. kind of weird, blah, blah, blah. And then the more I thought- They're in a thought, Fiat, aren't they? I believe so. But yeah. it's, it's very Euro, mm-hmm. small car, small roads, all this other. But that's not what I chose. Because as I thought about it, I decided- <laughs> I keep going for unique for small cars, and that's not what I want. So what I chose was the tank chase scene from Goldeneye. Oh man! <laughs> because <laughs> that is a fantastic talk about chase taking scene. a car, a classic car chase scene, and flipping on its head. Of the issue isn't that you can't outrun them. The issue is that he can take the corners you're not allowed to take, the forbidden tunnels, mm-hmm. and everything. Else. It's just so. It's such a quintessential Bond moment for me, just mm-hmm. because. While I grew up seeing, you know, Connery and more, mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan was really the the Bond of my era, right? Goldeneye yeah. was kind of the defining. Well, it came out video in, game in 1996, which uh, you're you're almost what, like 15, 16 at this point, I think. Oh gosh, don't make me that old. I'm like 13. Yeah, 13. Yeah, because I was I was 12. Okay. No, I was 10. I was 10. Excuse me. Whatever your, it came out. Numbers, right? Yeah. Do the math. I forgot I was born in 1986, 1984. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> But yeah, so well, I, I was well, seven. Um, <laughs> but, so like that, that tank scene, I honestly didn't even, it wouldn't have beat out what my choice, first, first was, choice was, but I didn't even think about that. But thinking about it, like that is kind of one, one of the more iconic James Bond chase scenes that they've ever done, period. Yeah. Like all I could, when I pulled up the other choice I had just to look at, just to kind of confirm that it was what I remembered it being, mm-hmm. they have that moment where he looks out the back window and all I can see is the colonel looking back at the tank and just drinking from the flask <laughs> because it's like, what else could I do? Because there's only so much faster we can go. Yep. But it just it has so many great bond moments of like use the bumper that's what it's for you know just <laughs> stuff like that and then you know bond just plowing through and over and and whatnot everything yeah well whenever he um he bursts through i think like a, a whole the corner of this whole building and then like all the bricks and stuff are falling and he he pops out of the thing and he straightens, straightens his tie yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah man it's it's such a it's very Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Well, and you also you shared a video with me that was kind of like the making of mm-hmm. the behind the scenes of it and like them timing because the they tank, can only do it once. Yeah, the tank actually burst through that wall at the start. Mm-hmm. So they had to time because tanks don't accelerate very fast, especially not older tanks. Like, like Soviet era tanks. Well well, I mean, this is like it was like a T seventy or T seventy two. It's not like a young tank. Well they and they had to model it to or add more stuff to it to make it look like a Soviet air tank of the Cold War. Right. Yeah, it was it was it was not even that. Yeah. So it they had to time the run up for how long it takes it to accelerate up to this speed to bust through this wall with when the 
cop car or the police car makes that turn that has you know, mm-hmm. his prize mm-hmm. in it. And, yeah. and not, not too soon to where you just kill you just all kill the people, the, the people driving the car because it, it is, at the end of the day, it's still a tank breaking yeah. through a wall. Yeah, so it's it's a really fascinating video. You, we'll have to find that. Yeah, we, we can probably post it on the on the page because it's honestly fantastic. Like, it's a really good breakdown of it. And it's the the director at the, or the um, cinematic director at the time kind of talking about. And, and also about, like the stunt coordinator. Yeah. yeah. It's, no, it's, it's so, yeah. But yeah, that whole scene is just so good. Yeah. So anyways, on that note, I'm going to hand off to Andrew. Okay, so I um, also kind of like stunt-related things. Um, I chose a, well, it's kind of like a half-and-half car chase and on-foot chase Mm -hmm. uh, from Police Story, 1985, Jackie Chan. All right, yeah, uh, classic. And probably one of my all-time favorite films, period. Uh, I I love martial arts, and Jackie Chan is just kind of like right up there for Mm -hmm. for one of the best. But this one uh, is just so fantastic. So it happens at the beginning of the film where – a uh, basically a a bust for the police goes wrong and the mob boss and his goons are trying to escape and they mm. initially get into some cars and they start driving through basically this hillside shanty town and um Jackie Chan being the uh um zealous police officer that he is he gets in his car and he chases them also down the shanty town like going through like the buildings and everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and of course you know it's the 80s, so there's explosions and stuff happening behind them as, as they're going down. They both get out of their cars. Then the bad guys go and hijack a bus. And then he has to go chase down this bus. And, he, of course, he finds an umbrella that he from passerby that's just, like, looking at this happening. Yeah. And he takes the umbrella, and he runs up behind the bus and hooks it to the back <laughs> of the bus. And now he is... This is all happening, like in at like all the stunts are real, and he's yeah, doing right. all yeah, of doing this himself. This, yeah, and he is now hanging from the back of this bus with the umbrella, uh, sliding on the ground, trying to like push himself up onto the bus, and then he ends up like fighting the guys through the windows while the bus is still moving. He gets knocked off the bus. Then he runs down this really big hill to get in front of the bus to try and stop it, mm-hmm. and then it ends with the bus basically stopping like maybe three or four feet in front of him with two of the bad guys basically falling out of the, the double deck of the bus onto the asphalt right next to him. Mm-hmm. And he, he ends up capturing the guy. And that's like pretty much the whole like first sequence of the film. And it just, it sets the pace for the whole movie, but it's just fantastic. The fun part is too, is that Michael Bay chose to almost exactly copy that scene where they're going down the shanty town in bad boys Two whenever they're in Cuba, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, they're basically chasing the bad guy through through essentially the exact same thing with mm-hmm. just explosions and good artists imitate, great artists steal. Oh, don't don't don't. <laughs> I don't even... know if I really want to call Michael Bay a great artist, but so it goes. Oh God, don't even, don't even do that. <laughs> All downhill from here. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I mean, that's that's pretty good. I, I think it's kind of interesting too because. Joel's chase is kind of the climax, like, the end of the yeah, story. Mm-hmm, yeah. My chase is dead center and yours starts. So that's actually right also an yeah. interesting we, – we, if we thought about it, we could have done that in a better order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, no, because we, we go into these essentially blind so we can have um, live more – Yeah, live discussion. Yeah, so we haven't it. already been sitting here talking about it the whole time. Mm, like we have been with Book of Boba Fett. Oh, no. Anyways, yeah, on that note <laughs> – Let's get into a little bit of the book of Boba Fett. I believe this is the segment of the show where I hand it off to Joel 
and everything becomes Joel's problem. So you want to give us a little synopsis? Yeah. So a bad synopsis. No, no, just a synopsis. That's enough for just, this one. Just, just a bad synopsis. by default. So in this, this is by definition going to have some spoilers for the Mandalorian show because Boba Fett shows up in that show and that's where he kind of has his jumping off point into this spinoff series. Right. The, at the, the end of Mandalorian season two sets up Book of Boba Fett. Right. Right. Yes. So there's, there's no escaping that. There's going to be some minor spoilers for season two of the Mandalorian. So we start with Boba having ousted Bib Fortuna, who had apparently taken over for Jabba the Hutt after Jabba was killed in Return of the Jedi. That's a huge spoiler. Spoilers for the opening gambit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so he has set himself up as running the the underworld, the section of the underworld that Jabba had previously laid claim to at some point in the past. We are Multiple years in the future, it is unclear how many years from the show itself. So we have two parallel storylines where we have showing how Boba escaped the Sarlacc from where we last saw him in the movies. Return of the Jedi, yeah. Up to getting to the point where he hooks up with the Mandalorian, more or less. And then we have... Oh my. Then we... (laughs) And we have thank you. Now now it's a bad synopsis. <laughs> then we have the other storyline, which is the current timeline where he is attempting to deal with the the local problems and get all of the the different elements of the underworld in line under him as their leader. Right. Kind of the, the realities of inheriting Jabba's position. Right. Right. And and kind of what was what was left over and and how well he can handle the responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Meet the expectations. And antics ensue. Hijinks. Hijinks, antics. For. It's all the same. Actually, for, I don't know if this, this one deserves hijinks. Antics will antics, do. Antics, yeah. Antics will do. So. On that note. On, on that note, we, we gave it a 4.5 out of 10. So for those of you keeping score Which home, is a new record. That is a new record for the lowest rated score on spoilers intended of any, across any media. That we have yet to review. And this was due to a variety of problems. There is, for, first and foremost, what, what you're hit with is, for whatever reason, the quality of the action on the Star Wars TV shows that have been released on Disney Plus has been a stark step down from the action that we've seen from Disney in the Star Wars films. Right. And... This is not something that is generally paralleled in their Marvel properties, like the Marvel TV shows. The action seems to be on the same quality mm-hmm. as the films. And so this it's it's kind of mystifying why we see a, a Stark like this is a low budget TV that just happens to have some good graphics. That has as a Star Wars logo at the start. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so like that that is front and center up front. There's the sets are not filled out with enough extras. The, uh, the action sequences themselves are poorly choreographed and poorly shot so that they seem really slow. And so like all of that just right up in your face mm-hmm. is, is the first thing. So one of the, whenever we watched the first episode, I kind of like asked Holly, I was like, are we watching like 1960s Star Trek? 
<laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I mean, there are some fight scenes that are. I don't think we we never got the double fisted. Oh wait, did we get the double fisted overhand? Did Boba do that something? In the, no, I don't think so. No, he did. He did it to the 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 Tuscan dog. Well, I don't. Anyway, we'll get into but that. Later, it was yeah. it was definitely a um, what I felt was a, a very large step back from what we kind of came to expect, at least with the Mandalorian. Uh, season one and two, which, which, like you said, it definitely had a a lower tier action, but it's also smaller scale action too. So yeah. you so, can't necessarily knock it completely for being sl- no, like slower no, you, and smaller. You can, you can totally. Not. So I was actually going to make make the argument the opposite direction that <laughs> just because the scale comes down, it's not that oh well you know it's not you know we're not fighting a Death Star so it just doesn't have the same. It's just not well put together. The the choreography, the fight choreography, and the shooting choreography within the fights, and we can make the argument of oh they shoot it to where it feels slow or not, and that's kind of that can be an issue with live action where you know we've we discussed mm-hmm. this before with, with, with other with how animation can cheat. You can cheat in live action. It's called jump cuts, and a lot of people will will pan it, but there is some degree that needs to probably be there sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's not well thought out. The people who who are doing this just don't seem to really put a lot of thought. They, they, there's never a moment where everyone sits down and looks at it and says, well, yeah, but what if he just did this or just did that? And everyone goes, oh, yeah, he would just do that. Like none of that seems to ever occur to any one of these fight sequences. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the big scale Star Wars fight sequences, the fights are always happening out of a necessity. It's like the decisions that are made in it have to happen that way or else it just it just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's, I think that that that's just very glaring, and, and the Mando gets away with it a little more, but in Boba Fett, they, it it's really glaring. Yeah, so probably my my biggest gripe with the the show in general, um, and I'm not going to get into specific like plot elements that, right. that really knocked it down for me, but the bigger part was you do do we really care about why Boba Fett? wants to you know essentially be a, a quotation marks crime lord instead of a bounty hunter which is what we've historically known well, him as i would like to care i would yeah, like i, I would that's, like that's for them to give me the i'd like for them to give me the option to well, care yeah, so <laughs> the, the thing is there was no there was never any reason given boba for, fett needed a want you, song you have to get to episode <laughs> three three no before, episode four. four episode four before there's any real dialogue that that would that supports the character's new direction. Yeah. yeah. And, and up until that point, like you can kind of see him quotation marks changing, but unfortunately there's no other information before that, that we have that, that would indicate that he ever, he was ever actually a bad guy outside of the, yeah. like, I, I haven't seen clone wars. I'm probably never going to never watch clone wars. Sorry. It's just not my thing. But, you know, so like I'm looking at it from the perspective of I've seen the original trilogy films, I've seen all the other movies, I've seen Mandalorian season one and two, and then I've I've watched this. Yeah. And that's that's another knock on it, too, is that this is absolutely you have to have seen the Mandalorian. You have to already be invested in Boba as a character. Otherwise, it it completely falls flat. Like the show does not give you enough information about the character for you to look at that having knowing nothing else and say, okay, I accept the starting premises and now am prepared to care about this character. Yeah. Like they, they just don't give you that opportunity. It is written completely from the point of view of you love Boba Fett, right? Well, here's a story. 
Yeah. And, and and if you're highly invested in Boba Fett, as we've we've seen from some fandom backlash, it, it may not really sit very well with you, the story that you get. Well, and and I'll also add to like I, I like Star Wars as much as the next guy. I grew up with it. It's just always kind of been part of my life. But I going into any of these films, even like the the new sequel films, whenever they came out, I had zero expectations going in whenever I watched them. Like whatever they did with the story, I don't really care. It do, it never bothered me. Only thing I really care about is that when it's like the way it's written and if it makes sense mm-hmm. for the characters in the moment. And unfortunately, like this one just didn't really do that at all. Yeah, it needs to maintain some kind of logical consistency. Yeah. Which, again, giving Boba Fett strong motivations that the audience know and see and can understand and can relate to that, like that in itself, that is a critical core part of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it just, if, for the amount that it happens, it doesn't happen fast enough, and what we get probably isn't really enough at the end of the day. Yeah, and without without going you know deep into specifics. Yeah, it's just that's just a kind of a core failure, not just for this show, but just the storytelling in general mm-hmm. that have it's just not there. Well, that's the thing is like if you want to make Boba Fett a good guy or a bad guy or whatever, go for it. I'm I'm all here for it. Like I want to see the story of how he becomes whoever he's. Yeah, take, take, being, yeah. take me on that journey. Yeah. Show me how it happens. But but don't just take me along and I'm just kind of, oh, okay. <laughs> now, on, on the flip side, say something nice. Um, if there, there are a lot of still images in, in there, like if you pause it and you took a screenshot that look great. You know, yeah, it's Boba, very the, the, Boba I mean, Fett's um, armor looks fantastic. Yeah, his, his new look is very cool. I like and it. yeah, because he's kind of kind of got a little more of a a, a robe thing going yeah. on under the armor. So that's mm. that's really which, cool. Which which I do like that they kind of tied that into part of the story. Right. Yes. They they did they did do a little bit there, mm. and they did a good job with some of the the pieces within it. Uh, there's some specific flying sequences that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of character cameos that are really nice. A couple of character cameos that feel sort of ham fisted. Uh, but some others that are really nice. We're mm-hmm. getting those those. <laughs> All one and the same. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you may have heard some of that on internet rumblings and trying desperately to avoid spoilers. Yeah. We won't do, well, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you are probably listening to this episode, but whenever it comes out, you've probably already been spoiled by everything that happens, but we're not going to do that for you yet. Well, it looks like we've arrived at the intermission. What? <laughs> yeah. What? I have it written down that I'm doing Book of Boba Fett intermission <laughs> and I crossed it out, but I just read the part that I crossed out. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm getting prepared and Joel just leaps I, in here. I, I kind of want to just leave this in. It's mine. <laughs> it's mine. You took it from me. <laughs> this in here. I don't know. I kind of want to. Oh, I hate you. We're professionals. We're totally professional. Yeah, totally. Super, super <laughs> professional. Anyways, on that note, <laughs> as we enter the intermission, if you're as tired of Tatooine as we are, we understand. If you like what you've heard so far, you can help us stay moisturized by supporting the show at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. If you're prepared to dig through the sand with us, though, welcome to the tribe.
All right, everyone, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that little intermission from the Boba bashing because we about to dig on in back into that Sarlacc. Like we're trying to find these little water bulbs inside the sand that you can just kind of decide to dig wherever and they just exist. Oh, you know what? I like at this point, I totally wiped that You're welcome. inanity out of my mind. I really didn't need it back. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well, we're going to kick this off. First category up for grabs, spectacle. So this is the impact of what you're watching, right? The how well does, is it? The the wow factor. Yeah, there's a wow factor. How is does, it, how does the CGI? Like, how was the fight scenes? How did it look? Spoilers. It's not not for a great start. So speaking of not for a great start, I'm gonna let Andrew go first <laughs> on this one. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all had basically the exact same score here for spectacle, but I gave it a five. Uh, pretty much right down the middle, uh, but not in a good way. Uh, there is, uh, I, I, I honestly don't really know where to start. So I'm just going to just kind of say it. I felt like a lot of the action set pieces that existed outside of the train scene, which was really good, uh, or I liked it. It's a train heist. Um, yeah. And a couple other spare scenes. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like ignoring episodes five and six because those are, I feel like a completely different kind of show. I mean, I mean it was, a, it was a different, it was a meanwhile in another movie. Yeah. Like that was, um, so <laughs> that was really abrupt too. Yeah. So like the train, train sequence was pretty cool. And then whenever he was, was waxing the Nikto gang um, with the slave one, that looked that pretty cool. That was really nice. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh no. That's actually, I ding it for that. Really? What? Why? Because that was the only use of tactical air superiority that was appropriately applied it, in the entire show. It, yes. <laughs> and, and was it was it cool? Was the idea of like, oh, the fire spray swooping in and just blowing up the speeder getting cool, right? Yeah. There's like 30 of you people on speeders scatter. They all just sat in well, a Well, no, they didn't know shot. it was coming. They don't. But when the first three people next to you blow up, y- you don't just drive straight. Well, no, I mean, but you're just like, oh, they just blew up. I need to keep going. That could have been a mine. I don't know. If it's a mine, you don't keep going. You stop. You're in a minefield. <laughs> no, it it's just. Um, but uh, I, I felt that a lot of the smaller scale action set pieces, especially the first couple episodes, really felt like it was a parody instead of an actual like action. Now, I, I do have something to back this up. Robert Rodriguez, which was the director of one, two, three, I think four and seven. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, he did. Okay. Um, he also is the one that is responsible for every Spy Kids movie. There's there's a definite styling that's suggested there. Yes. So so what's interesting is he he's done a lot of other stuff. He has yes. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn is him. Never heard of it. Never. Wait, really? Are you being sarcastic with me? No, of course I'm being sarcastic. Okay, let's say <laughs> like the thing is he's done a lot of other stuff, but most of it is very small scale mm. like even like even smaller scale than this is and there is some element of camp dust till dawn definitely has an element of camp to it yeah uh so just just pinning like spy kids and saying oh it's just spy kids for star wars or something not quite no no there, I, but... I definitely wasn't saying that it's i'm just saying that he like if you want to know the 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 filmography of the guy that is responsible for the first couple episodes of the show which then somehow um, change into two completely different episodes and then go right back to where we were. Yeah. Then that is why, like that, you know, there is some history there of these, this kind of style of directing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Joel. All right. Because you're not going to steal any of my points. So I'm saying. <laughs> I also gave Spectacle a five out of 10. Consistency. So not terribly impressed, though there were some high points, yeah. which for me, like the, you know, slave one coming through, I thought That's it was a high, a high point. point. Well, no, no. The initial scene, like where you're low, you have that low camera angle, yeah. you can see the spear and you can see him swooping out of the suns, I guess, but out of, out of mm-hmm. the, the light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that feels good. You boys are in trouble. And like the entire sequence where Din Djarin, which is like, man, if we have to go over to the meanwhile in another movie sequences to say good things about the show, it just makes me really sad. Yeah. And that, that's but, kind of why I didn't bring up any of the any of those episodes, yeah. because those episodes were completely different. They, they weren't part of they, they shouldn't have been part of this show at all. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, for but, plot. I mean, they yeah. weren't part of it, essentially. But anyway, like the whole sequences where he's test flying the modified in one starfighter are just oh, oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I lied. Y'all did steal my good point. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the, the, the camera scenes, the low down camera scenes of him in the cockpit well, are just that is top gun. Like when he like rotates mm-hmm. and you can see, you know, the, the sky yeah, into mm-hmm. the sand. It's oh, gosh, that's so well. Please well, give me more of that. I, I also want to add in um, the fight scene at the beginning of episode five whenever he's in like the the meat factory or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and um he, you know he's he's fighting and it's a really cool fight and then finally someone did it they finally cut their own they cut themselves with their with own their, saber because yeah yeah because yeah. that he, is what would happen because he doesn't have any training with this kind yeah. of weapon and it, yeah that was that was really great the, but yeah. back to the negatives <laughs> <laughs> but let's not get too positive here the <laughs> the mod gang right oh so oh, episode three no the the their entire not i'm not going to say their entire existence from a concept i think they're pretty cool people whose identity as a group is they they're spend, all they spend their available cash on droid upgrades for their for their bodies yeah. prosthesis cool concept that, yeah that, it's a cool concept that's definitely something within the star wars universe that would mm-hmm. make sense right i mean this this kind of ability to mod yourself definitely exists mm-hmm. and there would absolutely be some kind of subculture around like it just that's that's one of the most natural feeling evolutions within star wars probably that we've really seen in it mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of a shame that the actual execution of it isn't right yeah green. like visually it was they they were they had really bright multicolored scooters for speeders that that there is no way in the world that if you are scraping together credits just to buy water that you would be able to spend enough on washing and waxing and weather sealing Ooh. these these speeders constantly I'm, against sand erosion. Corrosion. Okay, well, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to kind yeah, of going to put a pause right there. So teenagers are not very <laughs> efficient with their efficient money. With okay, their money. all right, all right. And but look at their clothing too. Well, the clothing was exactly the same. No, but see, that's the thing though, is what he's, what he's saying, what I'm is saying is they're is, making poor financial choices. Yeah. They're making poor financial choices. Where because are they? Okay. But they already spent a lot on body modifications too. Where are they getting? They have to be independently no, that, wealthy. They're going no, to a they're, chop shop for those body <laughs> yeah. modifications. No, I mean like this, this is very similar to just like any kind of, of teenage culture. Well, see, so, okay, so my, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on with this because it, it also sticks out badly. The, the issue isn't, oh, they can't afford to maintain it to this level. There, there is no level of monetary expenditure that keeps it that clean, just driving up and down the street in Tatooine. You know why? Because it's all dirt. It's all dust. It's all sand. Going from point A to point B, you have to wash it. 
point B to point C, you have to wash it again. <laughs> point C, point D, you're home. Congrats. Well, it's another washing. I, like you can't physically afford to do this. So again, I'm just, I'm playing the, the, the devil here. Uh, it could be that, you know, in Star Wars, they have some kind of wax that helps repel dirt. And they're the first people who have ever afforded it on Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just but they they from dialogue later in the in the show, we know that they they are native to Tatooine, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like these are are um inter, interplanet so, kids slum, slumming off-worlders. Right. Yeah. Like and that would that would have sort of made sense. I mean, well, it's still kind it, of improbable it, they could maintain that condition. A bunch but, of like but, bunch but, of outcast kids yeah, from yeah, Australian yeah, yeah. families. But that's that yeah. is not the situation. They are they are from here. And they look nothing like anyone else who is here in any way whatsoever. Honestly, the only thing that really bothered me outside of just the the multicolored cards, and I understand that if you go to Coruscant, uh, like even in Attack, Attack of the Clones, I mean, there's tons of multicolored yeah, ships yeah, and everything yeah. like that. It's totally fine. Or like no Corellia. Perfect. Fine. Yeah. Works. Yeah. No big deal. Honestly, the only thing that really got me was the main girl leader. She just looks like she's from 1970s London. And, and, is, like in their, and that's what they were based on was the, well, yeah, the mod culture. Yeah, the mod culture from London. And I totally get that. It's just, it just doesn't fit with the aesthetic of specifically Tatooine. Yeah. Right. And like, it's one thing for someone who is, who looks like they fit in with Star Wars to have adopted these looks. Mm-hmm. But instead it looks like someone who has these looks was put into Star Wars. Which yeah. is kind of a weird, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird flip, but it makes a huge difference in the execution. Mm-hmm. And then, and then finally with the, the mod squad, they, the one action sequence that is quintessentially theirs is where the governor's assistant or secretary, whoever it is, is trying to run away. And so he hops in his speeder oh, and God. zooms away. Well, sort of zooms. He this is, this is what brings creeps, spectacle down. He creeps people. away. <laughs> and then Boba's like, mod squad, fetch me that person. And so they all hop on their Vespas and they go down the road at 20 miles an hour. And oh, you're being generous. It's, it's so bad. It is so incredibly slow and there are no stakes whatsoever because if anybody got hit, they at most would get knocked down and have a bruise, right? Like this I mean, is... they, they, um, <laughs> uh, don't they like fly through like some glass or some kind of map or something? It's just one of the classic painting. Yeah. It's like yeah. one of the classic tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Like where like they're bringing uh, the painted glass. Of a, yeah. Of a, parody chase yeah th- yeah this is kind of thing that happens in monty python yeah et cetera, et cetera. or, or cartoons yeah or cartoons yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's not supposed to happen and I mean, and, and, and a, a relatively serious presumably a serious i mean yeah. you know maybe we're just approaching it from the wrong angle yeah maybe maybe, maybe this was, just, was meant to be a comedy maybe there was supposed to be a laugh track over this and they just forgot to put it in before <laughs> they uploaded it to, to disney plus i don't know okay steven okay so i'm going to be the <laughs> kindest of all of you I gave Spectacle a six. And you know what? I'm going to start with the praise. The inside the cockpit scenes of Jin Jaren. Din. Din Jaren. Jaren. I don't care. The Mando flying the <laughs> N1 were as pretty a thing as you're going to get almost in all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, give me some big space battles with those kinds of scenes cut in it where, like, you have, like, the... Uh, an X-Wing or an N1 cockpit rotate around, I don't know, like another Death Star out in the distance. Oh, don't do another Death Star that's been done to death. But you know <laughs> what I mean? If if we could get the fight over Endor mm. with, you know, 
in a lot of ways, the N one looks kind of weird within Star Wars because just when it was introduced, oh, it's too shiny. You know, it's the same mm-hmm. complaint we're giving. Well, with and that, that was just the like at the time. It was the I aesthetic. know Lucas wanted the yeah. the CGI to be super clean and yeah. sheeny, and... but credit to its design, it's one of the few Star Wars fighters that actually has a bubble cockpit canopy like what we're used to with actual fighter like jets fighter now. Jets, yeah. Because, hey, it's as much visibility as you can get, and when he makes those turns, you get to enjoy it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In an X-Wing cockpit, I don't know if we would get the same effect. No, I would, well, because it's not, it's not domed, so you, you don't have that, that, that curve. Yeah, the curve. Yeah. But I would still like to see them try, because I want to see some more of that kind of shot, because, boy, it was good. So the next step down, take a step down on praise. Get, I'll give him credit. I'll give him credit. This is still from the same episodes, which is sad because these are the, the highlight. These are, these are the Mando-centric yeah. episodes, so they don't really count. Right. So I'll give him credit, though. The design team said, we need a cool-looking space station. And they went out and they stole from Halo. Yep. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Full marks because Halo is beautiful. It's great. <laughs> if you got to steal something, steal it from good stuff. Hey, you got the right idea. And you know what? Do more of it because you need the help. Because <laughs> everything else after that is, oh no, baby, what is you doing? I, I will say though, I I liked the planet that that Luke was on, the bamboo planet. Mm-hmm. The bamboo. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, it was slightly different terrain on a on an arboreal theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's not I, something it's, you normally it's see. Different. I, I hate like this kind of goes into like the plot thing, but I really do hate the kind of bits and it's just because no one would ever say it when they were in like the crappy place in the world or whatever but you know they open up to the beautiful expanse in the vista mm, feel the wind feel the force can't you feel the circle of life you know nobody says that when they open the window to the brick wall that's three feet in front of them oh feel the life here in new york city <laughs> but it, it's it's just kind of a trope right where you have that big expanse opening to it and I, I at some point it's just like man at some point you got to accept the fact that the force exists in other places that aren't just beautiful nature mm-hmm. and introduce well-balanced well-rounded jedi to this which isn't gonna happen just because by nature it's just not gonna we already know because yeah. the sequels have already told us how this is gonna go anyways well i think that is probably more because luke is a terrible <laughs> teacher and master oh my gosh the, we're, we're we're plot we're yeah yeah plot, we'll, we'll get into that back back down off this so more complaints for spectacle good lord star wars you are a galaxy get me off tatooine <laughs> andrew and i had this discussion before you got here joel and i didn't say it before because i want to just drop it on you live but you know what? Star Wars does not have to be a galaxy. At this point, with the amount of it that we have seen, it could be a solar system. Yep, a, a singular solar system where and and the travel times make a lot more sense. I mean, they make a heck <laughs> heck of a lot more sense because hey, oh, Mustafar. Well, what planet is Mustafar? It, it's a moon. You know, one of the big yep. planets just has a Yavin has a bunch of moons. We've been to one of those moons. Mustafar could be another one of those moons. Yep. Like good grief, people reach out, branch out, take me somewhere else, show me something new. If we have to go back to sand, oh my God, Obi-Wan, go away. <laughs> if we have to go back to the stupid sand world, that is by definition the place no one wants to be in. People all try to leave, yada, 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 yada. I don't need more stories from this place. Go somewhere. Like, like this is all spectacle. You want to show me a really cool sweeping landscape? You can do that in the desert. It's been done. We saw it with Dune. We've seen it with some other stuff. But you don't do that for me. 
And that's all the desert has to offer. So give me something else, please. No, it has the little water bulbs that you can that you get. Dig up or, anyway. or, or you has... dig up the scaly monster that's a centaur creature centipede thing. Or you just have an unlimited supply of burnable wood. Okay, this is this is plot stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on that note, I think I have I have exhausted some some spectacle complaints. So now that we're done with that, <laughs> let's move into some performance. Who did I give it to first? You gave it to me. You gave it to Joel. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it to Andrew then. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> it does sound so enthusiastic. So I gave performance a four. Um, it yeah. I, honestly, my the biggest the biggest thing for me was uh Tamora Morrison just I mean, like he is he is a fine actor. Uh it's just he's a very stoic guy. So no, most of the time that means that you need to pair him with someone who is going to pry information out of him. Right. Yes. Meaning that they're going to ask him questions. They're going to goad him into interactions. Reactions. And, and I think I think that's part of the issue is that every single character in the show was stoic. Yeah. So then you have his foil, which is Fennec. Yeah. And she is also very stoic and yeah. very, a you know, quiet, pr- individual you know, loner assassin. assassin. Yeah. yeah. So you don't really have any kind of interaction because both of them are just kind of, mm, yeah, mm, ah, you know, just like, <laughs> just really like really short sentences yeah. with a lot of stuff. And then the only other time that he's interacting with stuff is at least in the beginning of the show is whenever he's with the Tuscans and they're, they're not talking. They're just grunting at each other. And, again. And they, yeah. And they didn't even try to make use of the sign language that Din Djarin already used mm-hmm. in, in and canon that, that would material. Be cool because then they could have like subtitles yeah. in there and you could have a little did, bit more interaction. They did a little bit of it, but because it was kind of like for uh, Boba, he was kind of using some sign language mixed with it just English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoken slowly because that's what you do to natives, I guess. <laughs> uh, it just didn't quite hit as well. I would have yeah. liked to have seen it more where almost. Well, it was, it was the only translation of what they said that we got was him going, do you mean this? Do you mean this? Oh, you must mean this. Right. And it was just very clunky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would have probably given the performance a zero had it not been for, um, the technical achievement that they did with Luke in um in episode six man you gave this ai a lot of credit well okay no it, okay so they're definitely on canny valley weird i'm just uh, saying zero to a four is a lot to put on the weight of, of one episode <laughs> of an ai uh but seriously like Pe- the, people showed up and said their lines that's at least a one i guess um <laughs> okay so three, know, three points okay fine three <laughs> points for luke so the really cool thing is so this was essentially deep fake technology that yeah. they used on top of his voice was actually not a voiceover. It was essentially AI learning that they gave, they pulled all of his um, audio files from the original films and books that he is, he is um, narrated before for audiobooks and a bunch of other voiceover um, stuff. And they kind of just pushed it all onto a computer mm-hmm. and blah, 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 and then guess what? Now we have Luke. Now the inflection was a little weird yeah, at times. Cadence was a cadence little strange. Was a little strange. But honestly, the technical achievement is really impressive because, uh, you know, obviously Mark Hamill is is getting older at this point, and he could probably do a, a good impression of himself whenever he's younger as a young Luke. Yeah. But even then, I feel that they like he still wouldn't be able to hit it perfectly. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, unless you change actors completely, like I'll say, Sebastian Stan is always, you know, kind of what everyone gets floated about out there, yeah, as someone that could play at least play the look of Luke. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but honestly, this, it was just really impressive. Yeah. And um, I, I had to give it points for that. Unfortunately, there was no other points to give <laughs> for the rest of, of stuff. And mostly just because they just didn't give the actors enough to work on. Yeah. Like, like there just wasn't anything there. Right. Yeah. Like, like with every single character being reserved and stoic and mm-hmm. passive in terms of social interaction, they just, they don't have dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And like so if, you, if you had like this really outgoing extrovert of a partner in, in Fennec, then you could possibly have some fun interactions yeah. to, to, to pull this stoic, you know, and, and it can facade. be really, and it can be really fun to play the high energy versus straight man dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and both are necessary in that, in that dynamic. And mm-hmm. it's really, when it's done well, it's really entertaining. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to jump in. Sure. Go ahead, man. You can take all my points. I have, right. I have like no points left. Done right. <laughs> so I gave performance a five and none of that was based on any kind of AI deep learning. <laughs> hey, I, I get impressed with technology. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I think it's a very fair point that uh, Tamara Morrison is really good at the Stoic, which if, hey, we need Boba Fett, boom, nailed it. Done. This, this, yeah. is, this is who Boba Fett is in the minds of everyone who grew up with him, right? He's yeah. Stoic, cool, can handle it, gruff, whatever. You, that's him. Nailed it. Perfect. Fine. What they gave him to work with wasn't great, and I don't know that he ever really had much opportunity to rise above it. Mm. There were some interactions with the Tuscans where I think there were some some good interact because he was able to be very emotive right he had yeah. to use his hands he had to be kind of over exaggerated these kinds of things and like teaching them the speeder bikes you know he had kind of that that big that, like, that was that, a pretty that fun papa sequence. that papa smile you know big proud papa and that that that's shown through i really like that i thought that gave him a good chance mm-hmm. but i'm going to take all the high energy characters now and we're going to talk about them because of all the things going on in this and i don't even know the characters names and that's kind of sad but like the mayor's major domo oh mm-hmm. he was fun he was good. He was a good change from everything else because Lord knows we need a change from everything well, else because everyone can't be gruff and stoic to each other because yeah. there's no dialogue. Well, what? Nah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I actually really appreciated in the final episode, he yeah. mentions being educated on Coruscant because like he's, he's just got kind of a normal, you know, American English speaking voice. Right. As opposed to previous, at least male Twi'lex, I think only Bib Fortuna showed up on screen for the yes. films for the films uh but he was speaking hatties at the time and then the the twilix in rebels? clone wars and rebels are are have a really thick accent really Hera's is the only one that we we hear speaking without much of an accent mm-hmm. and and so it was really nice to get an example of the fact that you know these different species are not a monolith, right? Like the individuals have different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're so each species is so spread across this presumably large galaxy <laughs> that it's very easy to pick up an accent from yeah. different places. Like yeah. if you were raised on Coruscant, you but have a different accent. This one he should have had an English accent to match up with the the imperial standard like the, the accent prequel. if he was if he was from right. Coruscant, but yeah. you know, whatever. but, but he had, he had some good lines. He had some entertaining interaction and, you know, he could, he could be that, uh, Lauren said it you're like, Oh, he's just, he has such a perfect voice and manners and just be the ingratiating, oily, annoying individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and it, it's funny too, because like, you, you know, where you're, whenever you see those archetypes of characters, you always feel like, you know, that they're like the slimy, oily kind of guy. Mm-hmm. 
and he did like he he had that, but he wasn't good at it. He's kind of incompetent. Yeah, he was just yeah. kind of just like in, this incompetent guy trying to be that guy. Yeah, and he just wasn't good which, at it. So he's his own parody, which yeah. already plays into the idea that this is really just a parody of Star Wars. It was a satire of Star Wars. Yeah, a self satire, <laughs> the best kind of satire. But yeah, so him, and then maybe not high energy, but maybe one of the more unique characters we got. Another Twi'lek, actually, interestingly enough. But it was I don't know her name, but the the owner runner uh, of the oh, Jessica right. Beale? but she also did not have any accent. No, it she was, was just just, just American talking. English. Yeah. So presumably she was also educated on Coruscant. Maybe that's just what happens when but you take the heavy the, Twi'lek accent and you put it in the English proper Coruscant. You just I mean, get an American maybe, accent. But then, Jennifer but then, Beals. Jennifer Sorry. Beals. Yeah. But I know then it the, the two kind of kind of server mm-hmm. Twi'leks that came up and were were like, "Hey, do you want us to clean your helmet?" They also just had American English accents. Clearly, we know where they came. We've, we've all of them, every single one, where they came from. Coruscant. Yes, <laughs> it's just it's what happens to Twi'leks with good educations and raisings on Coruscant. They just somehow end up in the outer rim, nowhere that is Tatooine. So I I will say for for me, you know, the first thing in world building through linguistics, the first thing mm-hmm. that I'm looking for is I'm looking for unique swear words, Slang. right? Yep. Stuff stuff that reflects the values of the culture that Dank you've made ferric. up. Ah, Bantha spit. And and like yeah, it's like like Star Wars has that. It's not necessarily stuff that we can easily identify and say, oh, they This is the analog this for is, that. Well, not just this is the analog for that, but like they are calling out what they view as profane, right? Yeah. So because there's a lot of it, it's just made up words. And so we you can't really we can't tell what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but the second thing is consistent accents, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're from this place then you have this kind of accent. That's what happens in the real world. If you grow up somewhere, then you can be traced back there by the way that you speak, mm-hmm. by by someone who who has an ear for that and understands. And, and even if it isn't just an accent, it's also just going to be the colloquialism yeah, and yeah. the slang from that area. Mm-hmm. You know, for even just, you know, personal, if if I travel, sometimes it's hard. It'd be hard for someone to say, oh, you're definitely from the South until I say y'all. And mm-hmm. then it's, oh yeah, duh, yeah. obvious. Where are you from? Yeah, easy, nailed it. So yeah, that that is an issue they run into. So I've I've gone on. You've taken you're you're leaning into performance here, Joel. So I'm gonna let this I'm gonna hand this off to you before I steal any other points. Yeah. So I I gave <laughs> it so few, I gave minutes. it a three. Whoa. And that, so so the, I'm, I'm gonna jump in here. Even though I, I hand you the baton, snatching it back. Like, it's still mine. I, I touched it. I touched it. No, no, it's not you didn't lick it, it's not yours yet. <laughs> wow. Just wanna say <laughs> Wow. I just wanna say usually on reviews performance is one of those things that can hold up a bad yeah. show or or film because it, it can be difficult for us to say hey yeah they weren't necessarily given great material but there was a lot of things we liked mm-hmm. this is this is such a collapse from that standard that it's pretty impressive well yeah. and it's it it's very it's always interesting too because like if you go back to like the mando seasons mm-hmm. Like Pedro Pascal is a very emotive actor mm-hmm. and they put him under this helmet for the entire show yeah. and you can get so much emotion from him. Just, it, is, it is impressive just in his voice. Yeah. And but then, you you know, you have, you know, Tamora Morrison and he's a good actor, but you just you he's already such a stoic character that you just don't get. That kind of well, he uh, wasn't wearing his helmet for like for most ninety percent of, of, yeah. of the show, despite the fact that he is on a planet 
where jumping onto a speeder to race around with just nothing on your face is a great way to go blind from <laughs> flying sand. Holy, maybe you know, maybe that's why the mod squad goes so slow because they all they don't. <laughs> no one had the major demo didn't have a chance to close the canopy and he risks going blind if you go too fat. I there anyways, we go. So take anyway, take the reins. Performance three, not yes, thrilled. It. And you guys already took all of my negative points, and I have the one thing. I had the best negative. It was fine. The one thing that I have to give back and say this was worth three points. It was the Wookie. I thought that this was the best Wookiee costume that we have seen to date. It was the most emotive. He was, he was very emotive. Um, in the face, there was, there was a lot of mouth movement, which we've obviously seen before, but there were eyebrow motions. Mm-hmm. There was all sorts of stuff. The hands were, 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 it was, I don't know. I don't know what it was about the hands. Like well, there it, was, was, maybe it was the that, knuckle. It was the yeah. knuckle. He, he'd do the clinch and you get the little spark of electricity. Oh, he's mad. Maybe, but like, maybe that's why I felt it was so weird when I was watching him on screen. Cause not that he was, he was awkward. It's just that I wasn't used to a Wookiee being so emotive. Mm-hmm. No, I, that, I think that's true. There was a little bit of uncanny Valley for mm-hmm. me with him as well. Cause like, man, this is a very expressive Wookiee. You know, it's just not what you right, expect. But like, but like in the scene where he's, He's just kind of gotten kicked to the curb by the the Hut twins mm-hmm. and released by Boba as what he sees in disgrace, right? Because, he's having a bad day. Yeah, he's having a terrible day. He goes to the local cantina. He's getting drunk and he just wants to hurt someone. And you see him watching the group of Trandoshans as they're having their their little party over in the corner. And you, I, I, I followed his emotional journey and had a more interesting time in that one scene <laughs> than with Boba in the entire show. Woof. Woof. So. Okay. Well, <laughs> on that note, I think it's time to move on to the score. So we're looking at the music. We're looking at what's going on, maybe some background, or how well we're we selling emotions with some music here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go first. I'll start us off on a high note. But <laughs> I gave it a seven. At, at the end of the day, it is still Star Wars. It has recognizable Star Wars music. Like, like the baseline for what is a Star Wars musically was set a long time ago, and it, that's all bangers. And this, this certainly falls off a little bit from it, and maybe some of the stuff doesn't always hit at the right time, but it's coming from such a strong pedigree that it's hard for me to really say that it came down really far. Mm-hmm. Because the specific pieces still hit how they need to hit, and it's just those two episodes again. You know, when you get the Mando theme, you know what it is, you know what you're getting. And I think it's actually kind of impressive to me because I I'm not the biggest fan of the Mandalorian, but and it may just be that it landed, you know, metaphorically like a drop of water or one of these little watermelon things in the middle of the desert that is Tatooine, where that hit, and I was just like. Oh, yes. Awesome. This is what we're getting. But for me, it's still hitting relative notes for me that are Star Wars, right? It, it's certainly not there because for me, most Star Wars music would be a nine or a ten. So it's falling short for reasons that I'm going to let y'all handle. Uh, I really want to just like throw this in the middle and let y'all just fight over it. But. <laughs> uh, so I gave score five. Andrew took it. Um, uh, Really just... It it was derivative music of the Mando seasons, 
mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. But the tracks that they they took from that and then kind of molded into their own, like they tried to have their own relative theme for Boba, mm-hmm. and it just didn't. It did not. Which mesh did well. like that theme did show up in the Mandalorian in the episodes that Boba was in. Yes, it did. Um, and I don't know, like it just felt kind of just. Uh, just most of the time, just kind of out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the the and I'm I'm sorry, Joel. I'm going to kind of take this from you, man. You're taking all of my points. Uh, the the one <laughs> scene that just felt it, it was just so egregious, and it just took me so far out of the show was the first episode. At the end of the episode, whenever he's like putting his armor so on, bad. and it has like just the, yeah, like just these weird just horns and people singing and like, okay. So the George Clooney Batman films where Batman and Robin and Batgirl in the last film are putting on their costumes and you have them turning as they put on their belt. They put on the chest plate, they put on the gauntlets and they put on the boots. This was worse. (laughs) 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 It was so bad. Yeah, it was... Um, there is a way to make putting on a beautiful suit of armor a really cool thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Especially this, backed with so, good music. This was not that um, at all. I, and the music made it so much worse. A, a sequence... Uh, well, there's two sequences that I that I would um, recall that, that are fantastic for putting on armor. Uh, and both of them involve, you know, so, like basically the assistant, like helping the helping the yeah. the person in question put on armor was uh, two towers. Theoden, whenever he is, um, basically he's putting on his armor before the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah, and he's and he's monologuing. Yeah, he's monologuing. Yeah. The lights behind him is just fantastic. And then the the other one uh, was from Last Samurai. Yeah, I was whenever, thinking of Last Samurai. Um, whenever she is putting on um, all of his his clothes and then all the armor and everything like that, as as he's just kind of like it's very intimate mm-hmm. and it's just fantastic sequence. But you've got to make you've got to make those sequences about the character, mm-hmm. and the armor is just kind of a set piece. Too. Yeah, right. Yeah, and in this, it felt like the it was kind of the opposite, yeah. where like the it was. It reminded me of um, like just some really old uh, like Power Rangers or like giant robot or, animes or like where an like the action, armor would like fly to him. Yeah. Or like an action figure commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was it just the music just really just just sucked all yeah. of the, the the excitement out of the, the episode for me. So, yeah, that was that's about it. Yeah, so, so I gave score a six, yeah. so like, you know, roughly in the same boat, and you stole all my points, other than, eh, Boba's theme was kind of fun. Like, that was yeah, that was, was the best fun. thing I could I know, say about I, it. The, I mean, like, again, like, it's it's not fair to compare episodes five and six with anything else, because... Because they belong in a different Because movie. they belong in a different, a different series. Show. Yeah. And, like, all the stuff whenever Luke is training Grogu with, like, the, the obviously the, the hints of the Force theme from Yoda's theme to Luke's theme and all these other kind of, like, little, little hints and stuff that they mm-hmm. have throughout the episode are fantastic. But that is totally not fair and you are just nostalgia baiting your audience to give you likes on Facebook. Stop it, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, on that note, let's go to the plot. Everyone's favorite. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. Ooh. I went first last time. Ooh, high note. Okay, we've been I'm... stealing all of Joel's yeah, stuff. Yeah, Joel, let, let, let Joel have it. Let Joel, take it. let Joel run with it. Plot. I was as generous as I felt was reasonable, and I gave plot a two 
out of 10. Our lowest um, individual scores. Lowest individual score. Yeah, it's just, it's so. Okay, literally in my notebook, the first note that I wrote down under plot is, oh boy, with a frowny face. (laughs) (laughs) Where to begin? There, There are two main threads. Okay, so you can kind of split it up into episodes one through four where you have Boba having two parallel stories with how did he get to the point where he met up with Mando after escaping the Sarlacc and then swapping over. You have the current timeline where it's, he's dealing with, well, I am, I, I grasped power. What do I do with it? And how do I keep it? And then you have episodes five and six, which are just, part of Mandalorian season three, or at least should have been. And the most, the most egregious part about that is not only that they don't make, like they're not about Boba. They're not about Boba's story. They do not progress any of the plot lines that have to do with I mean, Boba. He's not, he's not in whatsoever. it until the very end of that last And episode. he doesn't even have dialogue. Yeah. And so that's bad. But what's worse is that these episodes now aren't in season three of the Mandalorian. And there are very important plot points that are touched on and dealt with. And, you know, the status quo is fundamentally changed for the Mandalorian and Grogu across these Mm -hmm. episodes. Mm -hmm. And like, if you go from reading. Yeah. So like this is, has become Mandalorian season 2.5, because if you skip from Mandalorian season two and go right into Mandalorian season three, presumably whenever that comes out, you're going to be like, oh, well, Grogu's back. And and he has a new starfighter now and and i don't i i'm just confused and he well, he's not technically see, a mandalorian anymore right he's been kicked out of his clan but see this is why disney did you a solid they they instead of scattering this story across four episodes which in a well edited story is what would probably would have happened don't take my points get wrecked <laughs> instead <laughs> disney took it and they put it into one small consumable bite less than like an hour and a half and you could just have a little little mando pre story just pick up these two episodes yeah so so only yeah. watch episode technically you have to watch the last episode because you have to see what the, grogu's when, choice yeah. comes back yeah, yeah. That's so you true. have to watch three episodes you have okay to watch three episodes yeah. they're baiting you into getting almost 50 percent of the show yeah but anyway so so even taking that aside right and saying we only really have five episodes of the book of boba fett yeah then you're still left with the fact that there's no character development for Boba going from I'm a you know bounty hunter I I I'm an independent contractor kind of dude yeah I have this traumatic experience almost dying in the Sarlacc I barely escape I'm delirious for days uh captured by Tuscans and I'm trying to escape because I'm trying to get back to what the, I view the, as civilization the status quo yeah. yeah. Um, but at some point when he is finally able to escape and and get back, he doesn't. And he decides to come back and embrace the Tuscans. And we have no idea why. Like there is there is there is no development given. And largely, like we talked about, I think that's due to just not having any opportunity for dialogue. Yeah. Um, and it, then it's hard to have him just talk to himself. Yeah. And so there's there's that whole like just just no support for character motivations going throughout there and then on the the flip side the other half of the show which is the current timeline story none n- nothing makes any sense whatsoever so they show up to Jabba's palace and they kill Bib Fortuna 
Okay, fine. So that means that Boba Fett is now in charge, which is a trope that I, you know that's that's a totally separate thing. Just kill the guy you in charge. What that you makes kill. that makes you, you in charge, what right? You kill <laughs> anyway. But in order to wield power, you have to be able to enforce it right. in some way, which which he does not. Which he doesn't. There's literally him and Fennec and a droid who can spout exp- exposition sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and and then at the beginning of of that kind of plot line, they show they bring in the two Gamorians that are going to act as his guards, right? And they're like, "We captured them. Who captured them? There's nobody there." Yeah, the <laughs> the, the, the droid, the rat catcher droid caught him. <laughs> ran up and found him. Oh my goodness! And so you know, consequently, Jabba's palace. All of those scenes are completely empty, right? Like, there's no there's no background characters whatsoever in there. There's no. I have a squad of anything let's break out the goon squad yeah like there's mm-hmm. there's none of that and so when he goes to recruit the the mod squad it it just it falls flat because it's like oh well finally you're trying to get some muscle that you should have had three episodes ago <laughs> and, and you chose like the worst kind of muscle you could have found like, but what? like but like if you started from a position of muscle and like it's starting to dwindle because you're losing it to attrition and you're like, we've got to, gotta, we've got to get some allies in yeah. the ranks. Like yeah. that starts to, you start to understand the motivation you start to see how things fit together. And in none of the background, I think it's consistently across the board. None of, none of the supporting information that you need to understand character motivations and character decisions throughout is really given. It's just written from a perspective of here's decisions. Here is action that occurs. and we don't care if you understand it. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Andrew, get in there. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to just bring it in here. So I have, I gave it a score of four and there Ooh, I could, wow. I could go. Um, I, I thought I was being harsh. I so would have given it lower generous. had I realized that Joel was going to go lower than I was. <laughs> okay. So I could, I could go on and on about every single episode of, of, you know, like what went wrong, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about one thing, and it is nostalgia baiting of, of <laughs> what Disney is doing. So tinfoil hat time, I, you know, I could possibly say that, okay, you get through the first four episodes of production for, for Boba Fett. And this is not normally how production works for these kind of TV shows. But just anyways, tinfoil hat time, get through the first four episodes. They're already written and they're pretty much already through going through the production process of filming and all this other kind of stuff. And then an executive and focus group or whoever looks at this and you're like, Ooh, I don't know if this is going to really track well with our audience. Yeah. They do like like test audiences. Yeah. We need to, we need to save this. So then they're like, bring in the Mando and, (laughs) and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit all the little dopamine hits and everything. And don't get me wrong. I love those episodes. They were great, but those were meant to be in a whole other show. Yeah. And, it's one of those things where it's it's one not fair for viewers because now it is required watching if you want to continue on with Mando season three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's also not fair because you were you were essentially inserting in characters that just are, are side stories that don't necessarily need to be here for the the central mechanic of the story, which yeah. is essentially at that point a filler episode. And filler episodes historically are not good because mm-hmm. they don't move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. They they don't generally have the main character in the episode, which of course neither of these did. And it just it just doesn't track really well. And the problem with that is 
if you wanted to have different perspectives for each chapter or episode for this for this show, you could have just spliced those two episodes into the first four episodes. There's more yeah. than enough lead, there's more than enough time and stuff you can cut out of each of those episodes to make a coherent story still keep going through those four episodes to where, you know, you have half the episode is Boba Fett, half the episode is Mando, and, you're, and you, you keep viewers by doing that. And when you just have basically four episodes of just basically nothing, and then you have two episodes where everyone cares about what is happening because it's established characters. We have Luke, we have Grogu, we have Ahsoka, we have Mando, mm-hmm. and we yeah. all want to know what is going to happen with them. No one cares about Boba Fett. Yeah, and just just to jump in there, I mean, even you know, nostalgia baiting. Yeah, even to the point of Ahsoka didn't even have to be there. No, those those lines could have been Luke's lines while Grogu was otherwise occupied on the it hill. It could have been C three PO. We don't care. It, yeah, like could it, I mean, it could have just been him talking or, or just a random droid. Yeah, because the only reason she's there is hey, remember we've got that Ahsoka show coming up. Yep. Yeah, and that's and like, well, they, well, and that's why he was like, oh, I'm going to see you again. The yeah, they yeah. wanted to establish that she and Luke have met, mm-hmm. and that she is not like joining his effort. She's doing her own thing. Yeah, she's right. going to go do her own because yeah. at the end... Got to yeah. tell that story. But, you, okay, so like you have this, you could have you could have done so much more than just... I mean, like what it felt like was an eject button for what was a subpar story and Disney has historically, and we've talked about it before on, on the show, is if something does not perform, they will ignore it and they will re- erase its existence completely because it did not, do, you mm-hmm. know, pass whatever metric that they felt it mm-hmm. needed to be. And I felt that I think that they feel that this was going to happen with Boba Fett. And they were like, we have to save this because this we we can't let this be a failure. Yeah. And I guess that's my time to jump in. So, <laughs> I, so yeah, so Joel I, had a two. I got nothing. <laughs> Andrew had a four high point. Because I also have a two. <laughs> Holy cow. Joel, Joel gave you a preview of what his notes look like. I'm going I'm to throw mine out there. There had to be a better way. This is the way. No, this is not the way. <laughs> and, and Andrew's hitting on it where the way the episodes were edited. I mean, we, we talked about this with Cowboy Bebop, right? Netflix's live mm-hmm. action where they did a, a good job among other things that they did, but they did a good job of working the main character's story and the other side of the story and where every episode you got a piece of each, right? Mm -hmm. And that helps you understand where the characters were, what they were doing, what their motivations were, yada, yada. And you know what? That show's not getting a second season. Yeah. And they still did a better job of it than this did. Yep. Mm -hmm. And And that, that is not a good thing to be saying. And and they have stated that this is going to be this was going to be the only season of this show or right, a yeah. book of Boba that Fett was, or that whatever. Was always, I think, always the expectation is just one mm-hmm. piece, a carryover piece, or whatever you want to call it, et cetera. I, which again, we're getting more and more into the point of well, then why is it even necessary if there is no larger impacts outside of the two and a half episodes we got that relate to other shows? Mm-hmm. It's which is kind of a very Marvel thing. But at the same time, usually Marvel is more entertaining in the process, so you can it's a little more forgivable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, I mean, there there are so many just bizarre choices. I mean, just just us because we all watched the last episode before we came on to record. Just us mocking, you know, the the decisions by the characters. Like 
these are the characters are brain dead. And <laughs> honestly, if if Blaster Bolt weren't attracted to three of these characters' armor, they would all be dead multiple times over. Well, we're like let's not even talk about the fact that the two people that can fly uh, decide to land in a completely uncoverable spot in the middle of this street while they had the the drop on all these people in buildings that they could well, have shot and killed, they, but they shot all they, the people on the ground. They yeah. flew, yeah, they flew up above the buildings, shot the people on the ground, then landed on the ground to shoot people on the rooftops. Holy crap, people. I know the, that the Obi-Wan series hasn't been released yet, but take the high ground. You have a jetpack. The building that is behind you is taller than the rooftops in front of you. Land on top of it. If you say, oh, well, the jetpack can only fly for so long. Great. Claim the high ground with that move. That was a no, great. They, they have established that that thing is just It just does whatever. Wings. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the, if we go all the way back to Mando, he could fly. One dude flew up He's all the way up like to the razor yeah. Like, yeah. Just, no, just it, going for it. It just does where, whatever it wants, goes wherever it wants. Land up on the the higher rooftop and shoot down on your opponent. Like that actual moment of fighting was was a good start of oh yeah like they bust out with the surprise move. You know we had the kind of the little reversal with the major domo mm-hmm. going out thinking he's got the turn. Which, which that was hilarious. That was a yeah. great scene. Yeah, like they were so set up for something good there, and then just all the tactical decisions just go straight down the tubes, and it's just what are you doing? What is everyone doing? And and I understand that like this is like super pedantic. For, for probably most people that are going to watch and uh, hypothetically enjoy this show is that they don't care about the tactical decisions of what people are doing in the show. They want to see a, a Western samurai level style well, of they show. Just, they just want it to look cool. They want yeah, it to look yeah. cool and they want it to be exciting. They want to they want there to be stakes. So you need to have your guys being shot at instead of being these cold-blooded killers that, that clearly and understand. And that's a reasonable desire. And that's it's a totally reasonable fine. expectation. There's but... no stakes when every blaster bolt hits your armor. <laughs> no, no, no. There are because every single time they got stunlocked. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, it, it increases a, their global cooldown by yeah, 0.5 yeah. seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a crowd control technique. Oh my god! They're, they're not actually dealing damage. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, but I mean like just, just within the last episode, there's just so many things like the, the destroyer droids show up and they're apparently incompetent and can't hit people just running in straight lines down the street. They just shoot the ground in front of them or the air above. And I get maybe, you know, it's Disney. You can't just have wholesale slaughter. But like <laughs> if you can't have wholesale slaughter, then don't put something in front of essentially unarmed people that will wholesale slaughter them yeah. because then it just feels unrealistic. It just that is a very um, fair point. Like it, like. The, there has to be a certain level of power scaling. Yeah, if right? if if your sto- if your executives are not going to stomach what this power scaling means, if if you don't have Marvel level management where they say, "Oh, you want to level half Manhattan? Yeah, go for it. We'll we'll figure out the consequences later." If you don't have that, then you can't drop big obstacles in front like this. It has to be some kind of again smaller scale issue. You have to have a different way. You have to be. I hate to say this. It has to be cleverer writing. There has to be more intelligent things going on other than just large, slow object immovable well, that can't be damaged that yeah. shoots sometimes. Well, so, you know, sometimes the reason why you had these very large, you know, robots that are lumbering and relatively stupid is the fact that so you could have Boba Fett riding a Rancor coming in and Which saving also, the day. Which also made no sense because he's already established that he has Slave One 
to yeah, apply he, he tactical fled, air superiority. He fled back to the palace to get the rancor. As the, far as we know, the, it could the rancor it, could have been right a, on the outskirts of the town. A box somewhere, but he <laughs> he flew away and could have very easily flown to Java's palace. Assumptions, right? Mm-hmm. Because if nothing else, if you lost time on the jetpack, which we already established can fly forever to whatever height, etc. If you lost time there, you make it up in, I don't know, the spaceship that you're in that <laughs> well, comes back with maximum air superiority. And you just – you don't just destroy the pikes. You just destroy the buildings they're on and they're all – and again, we're back to mass-scale slaughter and Disney can't have that. But, well, and, and, uh, but it's, it's the power scaling at that point because, yeah. you know, it's don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight. Well, don't bring don't bring a gun to a starship fight. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, or do and find out that you're going to lose. Yeah. You know? Like I, it's just uh, – these kinds of things. The problem is they gave us the option, and now that we know the option exists, that we know that Mandalorian armor, ha- they blatantly have their jetpacks. Well, they can just fly. Well, we know they're all capable of this. So then you have to spend that whole time going, dude, what? push the button, push, yeah. take off, what? take off. Well, and and you know, uh, again, like I understand that, like it is super pedantic, but it it really is. It takes us out of it whenever we're just like you have this ability. It's the same problem with Superman. Like Superman forgets that he has powers because it is not convenient to the plot because it would solve the the story. Or he's just an alien. And it it is it is also like on the (laughs) flip side. There's no in between. There's no in between. On the flip side of that, it is immensely satisfying to see a protagonist run through their options, right? I have this is the best solution to my problem. Oh no, my enemies are smart and they countered that. And so yeah. now I'm in a worse position. Now I so now, now I have to take this yeah. solution and then, oh no, that didn't work because of this other thing that they did and I'm in an even worse position. Yeah. And so like, like that kind of progression through a conflict scene is deeply satisfying when executed intelligently. Well, and, and like there's, there are ways to essentially like hamstring your, your heroes mm-hmm. in this case of mm-hmm. like, okay, so they, they, they get the drop on these guys and they're, they're, they're in the air and then. If there is some kind of uh, element that the Pikes have thought of because they know that Boba Fett has a jetpack, like they're not stupid. Uh, that, that they, set up a, they set up a laser uh, grid uh, where you yeah, can't exceed we, 50 meters or you yeah, get, yeah, and like, <laughs> like all you need is you just need one thing in yeah. there to just say he can't use his jetpack right now. So mm-hmm. now they are stuck in the middle of this, this right. non-cover well, scenario, and now it down now there's actual stakes. Yeah, we had kind of that with again not going back to the episodes that were actually semi watchable, but the the Mandalorian episodes <laughs> where you had the duel right between him and I don't remember the other uh, just Mando's big guy, name, but big big dude Mando right? Yeah, and he challenges him to a duel, and it was rules, it was a Vizsla, which is important uh, because of ties back to the Death the Watch noble guard, family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the rules of honorable combat dictate we both take our jetpacks off. Yep, and okay, we have, and I was actually kind of and, like and they're on a you know a, a platform of death, which, which they have they have intelligently already demonstrated the consequences of falling off because he Mando, Mando his, loses his balance, mm-hmm. he falls off, he has to use the jetpack to get back on. So automatically, we've got stakes. When we they take we them know off. what yep. the risks are now, and I was actually kind of like, oh, that'd be really cool. Like they duel and they actually use the jetpack. <laughs> oh no, rules of honor to say okay, that's a whole different kind of cool. Because now we have huge risks and consequences to what could, and you're both wearing armor. It, well, presumably, it's, it's it's a duel to yield, not duel to death. But no, now it's, it's, it could very well be just a duel to death because you trip. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's a duel to death, regardless. But it's it's kind of the uh, the analog of two knife fighters taping their other hands together. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where they, they are forced to have conflict. You're on a narrow catwalk yep. and you don't have access to the jetpack. Cool. And that's the kind of thinking and kind of solutions. Not that, that you know, Cad Bane walks out and tells Bobo, oh, it's a matter of honor. You better take off your jetpack. But you need to have some solution <laughs> to force that to happen. Yeah. And they just didn't. And I, all I'm doing right now is just hitting on one episode. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just want to I just want to go know. over Andrew here. OK, so if you're going to bring in a, a large overarching franchise or I'll say alternate oh, franchise for, character, for someone like who's for very, Cad, very for recognizable. Yeah. If you're going to bring him in, don't bring him in for three scenes and then kill him. Like yeah, make yeah. him be episode one. And then, you know, he is the main antagonist for Boba mm-hmm. Fett. Mm-hmm. Every single time he tries to do something and now you have actual stakes and emotional stakes between these two because they've already have a history together. Yep. It's now it's that he is there. like you have a protagonist and an antagonist and they have conflict. Yeah. Which is <laughs> almost like basic concepts of story writing. Yeah. Well, because then it makes their showdown at the end so much more impactful, especially for people like me who have not watched Clone Wars. Yeah. But but at the same time, I mean, you're you're you know, we didn't drop. Uh, two episodes of Luke and Ahsoka so we could kill one of them. Yeah. We sure did do that for Cad Bane, though, which is just kind of, I mean, it's kind of a waste of built up over time. Yeah. It was a waste of a a, a very, you know, relatively important bounty hunter character that that people and and fans love just because, you know, he's he's just kind of that guy and now he's gone. And and honestly, a fairly impressive live action adaptation of a pretty cool of a animated concept yeah Yeah. he looked great but for the the lowness of the stakes and how low risk most everything felt for the show for it just to be oh cat bane's dead now like wow that was that was could have been a tremendous payoff but there was nothing in the build-up to this that really told us we were going to get that kind of payoff. Well, and, and this kind of goes back to my tinfoil hat where I feel that, like, they got four episodes in. They're like, we need to save this. Like, mm-hmm. hit the button, you know? <laughs> Pull the lever. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong lever. <laughs> well, other issues here. We'll, we'll go to <laughs> large like, scale. Nope. All right. We're, we're, we're going. Oh, we're going. I, you... I have not let go of this yet. Back to Back to the overarching plot and the assembly of the outline so in a lot of ways because we actually we talked about this right we liked a lot of the tuscan interaction yeah it was fine the flashbacks kind of had some of the best story Mm -hmm. but there is a risk in relying on lots and lots of flashbacks in that inherently a flashback cannot progress a story it can tell you more about a character and give you more insight into motivations but it does not make today become tomorrow it makes today become what already happened. Mm-hmm. So, so much of the early episodes were like, they were almost entirely flashback. Yeah. At least the first two, which you could have just, if you took a different approach, you could have just told that story. Yeah. Without flashbacks, without and like, it being a flashback, like, just make it live like, story. Yeah. Him, him just get out of the Sarlacc. Then, you know, he's in the Tuscan camp. We don't need any kind of thing. And then we, then you, you in episode three or whatever. Now, you know, you do the little montage of him, getting rid of Bib Fortuna mm-hmm. and, you know, getting his armor back and that kind of stuff. And boom, now you're, now you're here in yeah. the present. Let's and, go. And suddenly we have a, a, maybe a better understanding of his motivations. Maybe he's already had all of these, cause it takes so long for all those flashbacks to play out over four episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, especially the one with, uh, with Fennec, whenever he, like he's saving her and also mm-hmm. like you could have made that essentially live story, like you said, mm-hmm. and boom, now we actually have some emotional weight to some of the stuff because mm-hmm. it's happening 
when we're there and we we know that it's not a flashback. Well, and it also makes more sense for, well, okay, I I need to establish my own tribe, my own family. This was this was what I had and I lost it. We don't mm-hmm. know that until we're deep into this show and that's his motivation for what he did not even in the show to start everything off. Well, now we could have at least had a good motivation for what he's doing and then get into the show of why is he doing this? Well, this is why he's doing it. We already saw why what he wants now. We know it. It just it's just was not well assembled. And I think the the real issue is, you know, bad fights and unreasonably whatever dialogue acting mixes that just didn't go well aside, you probably could have told a much better story if this was sliced and diced and put together in a different order. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's absolutely a better edit of this show that exists. Like, or could exist. Or, or could, could exist. exist. Yeah. yeah. So it just it's such a loss because like again release we, the Lucas cut. <laughs> we, again, we, we kicked this off by saying this was kind of not like an unnecessary story, but just a story that no one was necessarily like clamoring for. And obviously it's not going anywhere. It all it really did was progress Ahsoka and Mando and mm-hmm. their positions, really. So like you had an opportunity to, even though it's gonna be a short burst, to tell something good and Maybe you make people be like, wow, I, I really wanted more of that. But you just, you don't do it. And having said that, you know, I, I, I think right now the fan reception is actually a lot higher than I would expect. It's because of episodes five, six, and seven. It's the, it was the, be, pull the pull the lever. You know, hit the button because, you know, we're clearly going on the wrong direction. We need to add nostalgia in here for people to get excited about it. And, I mean, you could tell, like, you can, I mean, you could look at historics of, of all social media. Everything, probably most everything that is being talked about on the first four episodes is probably negative. And then, boom, you have episode five and six, and everyone is so excited, and they're talking about it. They're excited to watch the next episode, blah, 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 blah. Oh, come on, Disney. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we know what you're doing. Ev- everything on social media up to that point was the chase, the chase, the chase. And it was kind of one of those things where you're like, I know I'm getting spoilered on this, but this sounds like a dumpster fire, so I don't know if I'm too concerned <laughs> about it. And then everyone's like, ooh, excited spoilers. Like Now I have to like kind of like duck and dodge to avoid spoilers because yeah. what, is this some big payoff that I'm going to shortchange? No, okay. It's just they it, just it, picked up episodes that were going to be season three Mando and put them in this series. Yeah. Wholesale with no like building in, no build up to it, no nothing. This Like that episode five has – what zero Boba Fett, right? There's zero. there's no yeah. there's no connection at all really to Tatooine outside of him going back to the mechanic, right? Correct. So I mean it's it's wholesale could have just happened in its own show on its own and they just dropped it in there. So um and this sorry Joel, you haven't really talked in a while, but I'm just gonna keep talking. Uh, <laughs> I agree. So, I'm done. I'm all I'm all played out. I'm done. So um th- this is a a storytelling or st- yeah, storytelling trope that I'm not necessarily a fan of. But if they wanted to um I'll say hook their audience immediately with with the you know like kind of like the whole idea of the show is basically showing a scene from uh, either the end of or in the middle of like the thick of it of of this final episode at the like the very first scene mm-hmm. of episode one where like you know like they're all under fire and there's you know all this like bad stuff happening and then ends on a cliffhanger and then boom now you're at the beginning of the story and then now we have to get up to that point mm-hmm. um i'm not normally i'm not a big fan of that storytelling technique because it's kind of cheap but um it also 
would be a way to to say, okay, you know, we're going to pump the brakes for a minute. We're going to kind of show you some backstory, but you know what's coming yeah. and it's going to yeah. be cool. Yeah. If episode one had opened with like Boba and the Mando back to back facing down the pikes yeah. and like they're getting clipped and, you know, maybe something rings Boba's bell and his, his vision swims mm-hmm. and he sits for a moment and we have kind of that record, not a record scratch. How did I get here? But yeah. essentially that happens. I yeah. Bet, I bet well, you're wondering well, how like right, I got right, here. Be, right before <laughs> the guys from, I got these scars. Yeah. <laughs> right before the, the guys from Freetown come in and save them, like, you know, their backs are against yeah. each other and, you know, like well, trying to protect well, hold on, them. Well, hold on now. Provided there's some better tactics going on. Maybe they're in cover when this rev- revelation moment happens, not just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and like, you, you know, you see them look at each other and then you know you see the nod and then you know obviously the the jump over into the sunset blaze of glory kind yeah, of like thing the, the big like the really bright like they they both come up over the wall <laughs> guns are coming out and the really bright lights come up and well, now we're in the past and yeah that, that would fit so well that, that could have with the western motif that, that yes. all star wars especially on tatooine has and like you already have hooked me at that point like i can sit through three or four bad episodes mm-hmm. before i start getting mm, i don't know about this How and we then get to this payoff? yeah but it's yeah. like yeah. but i know mando's in here maybe we can see you know what happens you know like yeah. come on yeah and I, i'm not gonna let joel talk because it, w- it would require a cohesive plan to pull something like that off which i no longer believe that the people running star wars are capable of doing <laughs> well i i got Woo, on that note <laughs> so speaking of cohesive plans we also have another plot hole just, or not, I won't say a plot hole, an issue yeah. just in episode seven of while all this is going down, including, you know, the mechanic and, and Grogu are under threat from the pikes because they've, they're dumb and have just stumbled into the middle of this fight. Right. Yeah. Well, all this is going down. R2-D2 is just sitting live in a hot X-wing, like three blocks that way <laughs> and could solve every one of these. He's like, well, like he's well, not chopper levels of, of kill things. But R2-D2 could solve that problem for you. Well, and you okay. got multiple people there who can talk to R2-D2 and know he's here. I so. mean, the prequels would disagree. Like, he kills things. <laughs> no, well, saying, he, but he's not Chopper. Okay, chopper, yeah. is, chopper is insane. Cho- chopper is actively goes out looking for opportunities. Like, if, he if, looks for murder. Yes. Like, if we said, if we, if we credit R2-D2 with some portion of the Death Star kills, then he eclipses <laughs> Chopper, right? But right. it requires you to credit him well, for being in the back seat of that shot. Yeah. Well, no, but but see, that's the thing is well, he was unconscious at the time. So yeah. Ch- Chopper is he the... was just working. He was still uh... no. He got shot. He did get shot. He did get yeah, shot. That's right. Yeah. But no, Chopper is the cold blooded killer. He is the psychopath. R two D two is the cool, collected murderer. He's also kind of. Wow. Okay. Now we've gotten this all the way that he's the cool collected murderer. He's also kind of the conscience of, you know, like Luke in a way, because especially in this uh, show, because Luke's just not a very good instructor. Like, what are you doing? And he's, then, okay. But that's the thing, though. Luke was never meant to be a master. He was no, he, never he was meant, meant to, be to instruct people. Yeah. yeah. Because he he is impatient like his father, mm-hmm. and he does not have the he does not have the um the tools to be a mentor like um like Qui-Gon was or Yoda was like he is he is Mace Windu Mace Windu is not a good master Woo. spicy spicy takes all we're getting spicy takes on Star Wars He's all too around dangerous now, to be left alive Woo <laughs> boy but yeah, no it's uh Every time I think about it, I come up with more plot holes and I don't let Joel talk. Joel, would you like to have something to say? I, I would like to say that we have spent far too much time talking about a piece of media that does not deserve it. 
No, no, no. It deserves every bit of this. We're, we're, it deserve, does not deserve the recognition. <laughs> we're, we are roughly an hour and a half. We better we better wrap this up because we could right, go last, last forever. Prop. No, no, no. Last, I got one more. I got I to gotta get this one in. <laughs> I got to get this one in. We memed on it too hard. So we have the hole. He goes back to the Sarlacc pit to settle score. With the <laughs> <Yeah. Sarlacc>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the given reason he goes back is because his armor. He needs his armor. It's yeah. in the pit. You dummy you crawled out of this you literally used your armor to blow a <laughs> hole through the sarlacc out of the sand and burst out of the sand in your armor unless the tuscans just straight lied to you which we don't get at any point and just didn't tell you that yeah we just threw it back in the pit because it was worthless well, no, is, i mean they showed jawas taking it off of him yeah like it's we we know that it's not in possession of the sarlacc so why are you here and then we get into the brilliant moment of I don't know. I'm just going to fly the whole starship into this pit for unknown reason. Yeah, this thing ate me once, so I'm going to put my whole cockpit in its mouth. <laughs> and just see, it's, it's, it's fine. It's dead, right? Yeah, I killed it. Totally. Totally. And now we have this moment where now the Sarlacc has grabbed a hold of the fire spray and is holding it in place, which now has allowed us to officially, canonically, <laughs> crown Lando Calrissian <laughs> as the strongest man in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Because we calculated <laughs> it required two tentacles, tendrils, whatever you want to call them, appendages of the sarlacc to hold the fire spray in place. Joel, three, three, maybe. Three. Maybe three, three, three. Three, three made it easy for math, right? Yeah, yeah. Three, because... three made it easy for math because we're lazy. Joel calculated. So a basic function of any spaceship <laughs> is that it achieves escape velocity to fly away from any planet. Right. So, so a, a NASA rocket. An SRB, and it it supplies at you know at at initial launch uh, at sea level supplies. Uh, I think it was three million, three point three million pounds of force. Right. So right there, theoretically, and that's only one booster in that assembly. Yeah. So that so we're kind of clutching a little bit because it doesn't just launch itself into space, but but the, a spaceship of of any kind has to be able to supply you know, uh, roughly that amount of force in order to project the ship off. And we can acknowledge it supposedly is a large and varied galaxy that we haven't seen where some planets are going to have a larger uh, gravity than the others, right? It's going to be take more to get. Yeah, free. like 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 the different planets have different masses is something that is not acknowledged at all in Star Wars. Okay, so but, but no, we have but, to get back but, to the point. But the, here. Okay. the point here is in Return of the Jedi. Lando Calrissian is grabbed by one tendril, tentacle, appendage of the Sarlacc and is pulled down, except he holds on <laughs> with the force of his grip, meaning that in theory, theoretically, Lando can somehow survive over a million pounds of thrust. <laughs> applied that, to, a, his apply to his leg. Applied to his leg through his arm. The man has got the grip strength. Like you, he could have leaned out of Cloud City back in Empire Strikes Back and grabbed a hold of the fire spray and told Boba, wait a minute, you're not allowed to leave with my buddy Han. And he might could have held on and held him in place. His bones are made of tungsten. I, like, like, like miniature uh, dwarf planet densities here or something going on. Ligaments of carbon uh, fiber. Just, just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't going to miss an opportunity to bring that up. We spent a little too much time talking about it. Oh, man, we, we laughed so hard. It's just, 
I, I cannot believe that someone sat down and, and drew that scene of the, the Sarlacc holding onto the fire spray with, with like two to three, not like, not like a whole like big mass of tentacles burst out and grabbed a hold. Just a couple little pinches, got a little hold onto it, just got a grip. And just a spaceship is just stuck there, ignoring the whole, why are you even here thing? Now, like, I mean, going I mean, on to poke a hole in our fun, tensile strength of of tentacles is a different thing from pulling from, yeah, from, from yeah, it's not it's not yeah. like an actual like muscle yeah muscular pull because it doesn't necessarily win that tug of war and again the fire spray is facing down so its main thrusters are actually above it so we're really just relying on its ability to, to reverse reverse yeah, or yeah. repulsor so these calculations are they perfectly exact no it's star wars do you need perfect <laughs> science for star wars no i don't care lando is the strongest man <laughs> in the star wars galaxy all right on that note, that is all the time we have for this episode. Oh, no, hold on. We have the um, entertainment value. Oh, no. Well, It'll was, be quick. I was so It'll ready be to real quick. leap out on that. I can guarantee. Okay, so real quick, though, we are um, changing our final metric from faithfulness and originality because we feel that is too generic and that does not explain what well, this number actually it, is. It doesn't really help because there are some things that are technically bad that are, we are still going to be entertained by. That, yeah. is, that, is a, that is a true thing with movies, TVs, books, et cetera, where, hey, yeah, is this a technical like masterpiece of its class? No. Is it really fun? Heck yeah, you should still probably watch it even if we don't necessarily technically rate it well. Yeah. So we felt like we should include this in here. Sadly, as the first example of its kind, <laughs> this is maybe not the best uh, example of that potential separation of score. So we're going to kick it off. Andrew? Uh, this is entertainment score, so I gave it a six out of ten. Um, it was uh, mildly entertaining because you know the episodes five and six were were really fun. I invested with with Mandalorian. It's kind of hard not to be mm-hmm. at this point if you've watched the other shows. And the final episode did have a couple good little bits in here, despite the um, the intelligence of our main characters. We King yep. Kong to Rancor. We I, yeah, we King Kong to Rancor. That just that did happen. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a six, it was a show. So, so the real question here is, would you rewatch it? Um, six constitute a rewatch for you. Is it entertaining enough? I would say anything under an eight is probably not worth a rewatch for me. Okay. You need high levels of entertainment. Yes. That's fair. It doesn't have to be good. It has to be entertaining. Mm -hmm. All right. Joel. I, I gave it a four. It was not that entertaining. I feel like. If if like unless you just really love the character of Boba Fett from previous material and you really want to watch, you know, you want to consume as much Boba Fett material as you possibly can because you love it. If that is not you, just skip the first four episodes. Yeah, yeah and just just watch the last just, three and you're not going to miss anything. Yeah. So, so not worth it. So obviously not no rewatch in your no, future. Not at all. No. Right. I also gave it a four and I would agree with all of those points. Do you need. A, a, a filler piece before Mandalorian season three episodes five, six, and seven are there for you. Do you need anything before that? You sure don't. Not unless you want to see what are all these memes about, <laughs> <laughs> because then you can go find out what the angsty skittles are up to. Yep. You didn't, you didn't use the, I've avoided that line so hard because I was trying to let you have it and you didn't take it. The, angsty, it. the angsty skittles, the yeah. mod squad. Angsty the, skittles. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, so, but now I'm just waiting for someone to make art of Lando with just massive <laughs> bicep, just holding on to the skiff. Well, I mean, I mean, while, it's, it's just the, the Captain America scene where he, in, he's holding on to the, the helicopter, winter soldier yeah. where he's holding on to the helicopter, except it's Lando. 
and he's holding on to Slave One with one arm <laughs> and Cloud City with the other. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone. So on that note, that is all the time we have for this episode. Until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.